listening to Towner Talk. This week's show is going to feature a very special person but before that I'm going to introduce my sidekick Sasha. Hi. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking to lovely male guest Davinda and he's going to talk to us about that school, about Woodside, the great Woodside school. That's what it's about. So he's going to talk oh, about the that. Great, the Great Woodside School. Is there a different school then? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, that's the same one, but Silla likes to beef it up a little, put some bells on it. <laughs> yeah. our school, I'm not joking. Our school was so bad. I watched Graham Hill and put a public school. That's how bad Woodside was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me ask you to talk about your experiences of Woodside School and what you remember. What was it like going to the coolest school so everyone's called you it? You know what, I, I went to Woodside and it was interesting. My two older brothers had been there before me. Mm. If you're lucky and, you're, and your siblings are clever and they don't piss people off. beat everyone up before you get there. I know, as I say, if, if they did that, it'd be great. But they went there and they were real gobshites. And I went to school oh. and they're like, are you so-and-so's brother? Yeah. And the teachers would hit me and go, this is for something <laughs> in 1976, smack. So I got all yeah. of that. So I remember, go- I remember going to Woodside and everyone said to me, just keep your head down, you'll be fine. Um, and I think that was true if you weren't a person of colour, you were fine. But if you were a person of colour, I mean, 850 kids in that school, I think seven of us weren't white and three of those people were my brothers. So it makes you sort of realise that, you know, you're a target. Like, no matter what you say or do, people see you as different. Yeah. Really? Is that how you felt? It, it was tough. Because I'd gone from Scott Wilkie. Scott Wilkie was such a nice school. Like, we, I was there the first year at Open, and it was such a, such a pleasant environment. It was just off of uh, Baxter Road, mm. and it was, it was a brand-new school. So you go from that to Woodside, and you're, like, 11 years old, and you turn up at this school, and, and you realise you're going to get dragged down the hill stuff's gonna happen and you think you know what it's fine i'm gonna get dragged but then when you get dragged down the hill and then um the people who did that tell other people oh there's a kid there that we can drag down the hill and no one's gonna stop us dragging him mm. it then becomes fairly racist fairly quickly and you've got no allies because what happens is and i was saying to priscilla when we spoke recently amongst the asian community there's this real sense of divide and rule which is if if you're sikh and I'm Sikh, I'll look after you. If you're Muslim and I'm Muslim, I'll look after you. But if you're not the same, then you're not my problem. Whereas with the black community, you take on one of us, you take on all of us. Take on all. Mm. And it was true. I remember in that first week, I actually met the, the, the three guys and be my best friend. Sorry, school. but don't you think that when you go to a primary school, it's very mm. a little bit softer anyway? And then, because to be really honest with you, yeah. I didn't have a great time in any of my primary schools, to be oh. fair. And then going to the secondary school, it was like, oh, my God, they're even fucking bigger now. You know, like the problems <laughs> seem just bigger. And yeah. I, obviously, I wasn't a person of colour like yourself, so I've yeah. got foreign in me, but, yeah. yeah. And I, I found it really hard, to be honest. I wasn't bullied because of the colour of my skin, yeah, yeah. but I was more bullied because of what material things I had no, or no, things I, I like think, that. I think you're right. I think what happens is if you go to school, <laughs> like especially in East London, in the 70s and 80s, if you went to school and you were different, like you remember going to school and there was a kid there who had ginger hair, so suddenly he's he's moggy. Another mm. kid there who's super skinny, he's lanky. So you get a bunch of yeah. names. Then what happens is if you're a, if you are a person of colour, sometimes the people that are, are bullying you, they have something else to say. And Silla and I were chatting about it recently, just offline. We talked about the idea of white white privilege and the idea yeah. that being white doesn't mean your life hasn't been hard. It just means that your, the colour of your skin hasn't made it harder. And as I've got older, I've realised that being a brown person, when I walk into a room, especially here in Canada, like being a brown person with English accent, I walk into a room and people are expecting me to have either an Indian accent or <laughs> an American accent or to be their Uber driver. It's one of those things. It's not, 
it's not some bloke <laughs> with an English accent. So I've realised, you know what? I've got an advantage. I've turned what was a disadvantage into an advantage. I walk into a room and I'm like, hi, I'm Devinda. They go, wow, where's the accent from? I'm from London. So straight away, I get, I get remembered. And it, yeah, yeah, I'll say, if I'd, if I'd known at a young age that my colour could be an advantage, I, I think it would have been fine. But the truth is, I think, to Tasha's point, yeah, when you go to school, someone's going to pick on you. If you've got, if you've got an afro, you're going to be called buzz buzz. If you've got a big nose, you're going to be called big nose. Whatever it is. Yeah, I was chunky it. as well. Oh. Yeah. That's, that's so I, I was fucked. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, I was going to Especially ask going to school where I went, because I wasn't go, initially. Where did you go to school? Where was your primary school? On the Isle of Dogs. Oh, jeez. Right. And I wasn't from that area. My family are all from Canning Town and everything. So literally, oh, wow. I wasn't one of them. Like, seriously, I walked into a pub, they turned around like it was, remember the film, American Werewolf in London? I reference that constantly. When the, when the music stops, the dart hits the dartboard and just stops. Yeah, and it yeah. just goes quiet. That's exactly what I experienced. Uh, Do you see yeah. what I'm saying? So it's, it's sometimes I find that, although there is racism, serious yeah. racism, I know that, but sometimes yeah. I'm like, well, I've got it and I'm white. Yeah, yeah. But I got it not because of the colour of my skin. I got it because I was a bit fat at a certain point, or yeah. I had more than them, or a better mum, or a better whatever yeah. it was. I just find that if they're horrible bastards, mm. they're going to find anything to dig you out oh, and are. bully you. They are. I don't, Do you I know think, what I mean? I think, yeah, I think looking back at school, I think you look back and you have this certain fondness for it. I mean, I'm writing a book about my, my school days and I'm writing stuff about Woodside and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? wasn't all that bad that old saying that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger stronger yeah i think definitely. it definitely applies to school because i remember like looking back now um there were people that bullied me and i i was i don't know if i told silly but there was a guy that bullied me mercilessly at school and years later sent me a facebook friend request and my wife Fucking also hell. went to woodside no and as she was, i said to her look at this guy he sent me a facebook friend request he's like well you have two options number one you accept it you're never going to see it Number two, you, you decline it and he sort of lives in your head rent free. I'm like, that's a pretty good point. So I accepted it. Um, two years later, I was back in London, had a reunion. This guy turned up. And I've got to be honest, I was shit myself like he's going to beat me up again. Even though I was in my 40s, I was like, he's going to do me over again in a pub. But I said to my wife, if anything happens, just record it for the insurance policy. I was just like, I'll just try to make sure <laughs> if it was a court case, it was just him kicking me yeah. in on video but if he beats me, me too much step in <laughs> oh yeah no, no well not with a kick in maybe to help me yeah, um, but yeah. so she so he's there and he said to me i have to apologize to you but i go i've been living with this guilt for like 30 odd years that i i treated you terribly he said i have to tell you something i got bullied myself every single day by my dad i used to come to school oh. laughing and joking and acting a goat i used to beat yeah. you up so i think if you when you're older you look back at the people that bullied you it's very rare that someone's just that evil and, and has nothing happening. Most people have something happening and they're looking for someone else to do it to. Mm, so I yeah. think that's the thing. I've looked back now and I, I see the comedy. I was saying to Scylla, one of the things I used to laugh about or laugh at now, but not then, was being chased home across the A13 on the, on the uh, Vector flyover. Like I'd oh, run. I, I learned to run fast. If there was an Olympics with skinheads up here, <laughs> Indians, I'd, have been, I'd have been in Usain Bolt, honestly. I'd have been, right, you've got 10 seconds and then the skinheads go, I'd have gone. Um, <laughs> I was running across the, across the bridge. I almost got across it. My brother was like, Devend, run like Steve Austin. So I started running in slow motion and they caught me. <laughs> so I'm saying, if you have a sense of humor about it, yeah. you can get through that. But if you don't and you don't have support structure like I did, then mm. school would have been horrific. It would have been mm. really horrible. I, I had Patrick uh, Martin, Desmond Herbert, and Donald Ellis. And, and these three got me through school. And I'll never forget that because they were. I'm going to say, why? They were three black kids. Oh, okay. And it's weird because I live in Canada now, and if you see a black person, you know they're probably playing American football in town for the day because there literally are no black people in Vancouver. Wow. Okay. I didn't yeah. know that. That's interesting. That's why still okay. If you came over, so they'd make a statue in your honour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to get me there 100%. Oh, fuck that you, that was fucking a fly. 
<laughs> <That's right. laughs> COVID or no COVID, I'm coming on my statue. Yeah, I want that. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, Vind, about this, um, the huts. You know, the huts yes. in Woodside School, they've got these the so-called huts. portable that were never portable. Yeah, they were supposed to be <laughs> temporary, weren't they? Temporary yes. and they're on legs, kind of a bit like a static caravan kind of look. Yep. And they were supposed to be temporary and they stayed. I mean, how did that happen? And what's the story behind I'll tell you, that? I'll tell you what was, what was really bad about that. I don't know who in their wisdom decided that the roughest school in the roughest borough should have a hearing impairment unit there. Because those poor deaf kids, honestly, like kids who walk past them and say, like, and pretend to talk to these kids like, like you're doing now, and I'm looking, and I'm thinking, what's happening? No, what's happening? It was, it was horrible. But I, I mean, someone must have a sense of humor. But those, those, those portables were—you went in there and you wore all of your clothes at once because it was so cold in there. It was so. Oh, cold. I remember little kids there wearing gloves. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of us would have got better grades if we'd have gone to a nicer school, not because of the education, but just having the heater on. Yeah. We, were cold <laughs> <all the> <laughs> cold. we couldn't write stuff. Yeah. yeah, you had to have icicles hanging off your nose before you got sent home. <laughs> Literally. I wouldn't mind, but I've got a really big nose. I can hold about four gallons of ice up here. Oh, you're fucked then. <laughs> Definitely. And there was... Those, those portables were interesting because, like, look at them now. There's still schools that have portables in the UK. They don't have um, sinks. Mm. So when you put kids in there in the middle of a pandemic, how do you, how do you make sure that they're clean? How do you make sure they're not going to spread the infection? They were time bomb then, and they're time bomb now. Yeah, I think it's all been a time bomb to be really honest with you, because I think the government didn't act quick enough. They was really stupid and naive with it. Mm. I I think what we're looking at here in Canada, everyone's looking at the UK and saying, you know, you're you're an island. You could have literally done what New Zealand and Australia did. So right, no one's leaving, no one's coming in. But there was this whole sense of herd immunity. Like let's basically let a certain percentage of people get this, and then we'll be okay. But We didn't know about the virus. We, we didn't know that that wasn't the case. And I think now, I mean, I look at the... I still think they case. acted too slow, though, don't yeah. you? How do you because think? The, do you know what I think it was as well? Mm. Too many of the upper white privileges have got stocks and shares in all these companies. Well, you know That's... what? I, it's, I, sort of, I totally see that. But I think one of the problems also is the fact that I think... And Boris Johnson was caught out on, on the hot mic for this. Back in February last year, they were talking about whichever country comes out of this first is going to be kings of the world because they can charge whatever they want for PPE and this and that. So I think the idea was, by Sweden as well, let's run into this. Whoever dies, dies. Whoever survives, survives. And if we come out of it first, we can do whatever we want. Mm. So real, like, Game of Thrones type stuff. Yeah, well, the upper class have always done what they want. Mm. And I'm not being funny. I'm not being... I'm white. Do you know what I mean? So as you said Mm. earlier on, you felt that sometimes the white people's more privileged. But when I look at it, I look at the fact that I may be white, but there's no privilege with it. It's no, just there's a, cl- the there's a class structure. Up. There's a class yeah. structure that is very embedded in the UK. And it's part of the reason I still I have I to look at work. All my yeah. family and everyone else, unless their mm. businesses have closed. Yeah. Oh, well, think, everybody think, else. The only people that are not going to work are those upper class privileges, uh, privileged people. Yeah. They've got well, their people coming in, living in, and they ain't got to go nowhere. Because they can afford to do all of this. They're not you getting always, on trains. That's just interesting you say that because when this first when this first happened, mm. I, I put together a meme and I said it was three photographs. The first one showed a bunch of soldiers in the trenches in World War One. I. I said our great grandparents had to fight in, in ditches yeah. for our freedom. And the second image was uh, brave soldiers running onto the fields uh, on D Day. And like yeah. you know, literally being being slaughtered by the Germans. I said our grandparents fought against the Nazis. And the third yeah. image was like a couple of hipsters sat on a sofa watching Netflix. I said, we're being asked to set our asses down and watch TV. So like, just, just get your shit together. And a bunch of my friends wrote to me privately and said, Devin, that's all right for you. You've got an office job. But we're the yeah. essential workers. We're the cleaners. We are the delivery drivers. We're the retail yeah. workers. Nurses. And now there's an appreciation that, that they're the essential workers. The doctors, yes, we accept the doctors and nurses are, but without the delivery drivers and the people in the shops, and the we bus drivers and the dustmen and yeah, the delivery, everything. No. All the working class people. If we down yeah. tools, this mm-hmm. country would go to shit. But no, yet we're I, the no, ones think... that are always penalised for everything. No, but Sasha, in a weird way to Silla's question, this does come full circle because in that in Woodside, we were pretty much told 
like you can leave school and get a job on a building site or go to Forbes or whatever. We we were never told that there was a life of further education. We were never no. told that you know what this is just the beginning of your education. And I think no, that's the problem. I, that's, that's because the, they, I think they like it. I think they like the divide. Well, I was going it's to like say, no, they're saying. I think it's like when the plague come out, they want to lock us in our asses, mm-hmm. mark our doors, and let us get on with it. To well, be good, really honest with the you, good, the good thing about going back to Woodside a little bit that I liked yeah. about that is because there were children there that were wealthy. There were children yeah. there that were um, quite um, of a class that they didn't need to be in that school. All different types of classes mixed together. When that it was always down. weird to me. That was weird because I, I grew up, you know, as, I'm the middle child of five boys, which explains a lot. Like if you're a mm. psychologist, that's like, yep, people pleaser, yeah. doesn't know his place in the world. Yeah. And I, I used to get hand-me-downs from my brothers and they, they stopped growing at the height of about five foot five. And I was like 5'11 at the age of 11. So I was wearing like so. First of all, I'm an Indian kid. Um, secondly, my clothes smell of Indian food because you you don't realize it when you're a little kid. Yeah. You're almost cooking Indian food. Um, your clothes stink. And it was like, what's that smell? Like, what smell? That that, that curry smell? I'm like, I don't smell it. For me, <laughs> yeah. it's just, that's just my smell. I don't know yeah. if that is curry. But apparently, my Indian friend said that we smell like milk. White <laughs> 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 people smell. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, she said to us. Yeah, she said because of the, I don't know whether it's the dairy or whatever else, but a lot of Indian people, I don't have the exact, like dairy, we smell like dairy or whatever it was. Wow. That's crazy. No, yeah, I, I, and I was I, like, really? No, so I, I, used like, well, wear, yeah. I used to wear ankle swinger trousers, like six inches oh, too my. short. And the weird yeah. thing is that like, back then they'd say, have your ankles and your feet had a fight? And stuff I was like just going to say you, your shoes had around your trousers. Oh, totally. And now, <laughs> now you look around and these hipsters are wearing that stuff. And I, I feel like, History's just gone full circle. Now, what it was, does. What was a sign of poverty is now a sign of wealth. Like, I remember as a kid, if you had ripped up trousers, it was a, a massive sign of shame. Like, you're poor. Now, well, the rich people are ripped up trousers. Yeah, like, they're, they're getting a moment of ripping them themselves. Yeah. I've done it myself. It's madness. Mm. It's madness. Because I wanted yeah. to talk about them, the teachers. There were teachers there. Mr. Dutch, Miss Penn, Miss Austin. Mr. White. Mr. White. That were pretty cool teachers and that treated I, everybody I equally. Teach- those teachers got us through. There was Mr. Anderson from Yorkshire. Mm. I remember, like, it, he was a big Sheffield uh, football fan. Mm. And he'd go to Sheffield versus West Ham and sit there by himself in the Sheffield end. I literally by oh, himself. God. Nobody else would bother coming to the West, the West Ham ground in the 80s. God. And he'd oh, come shit. the next day. And if they won, he'd say, right, everybody stand up. Everybody take a bow. We would do it. He goes, you've just bowed to Sheffield. We're like, you <laughs> like you're, you're a brave man. Like, you've come to Custom House. You've done this. There were amazing teachers that we had, but also there were some teachers there who had, you look back and they had mental health issues and they were just pushed into our school. Really? As, there was one teacher, I shan't mention his name, yeah. but he wore ballet tights. <laughs> and he would literally, he would swan around. I was like, this guy's brave. Ballet tights with what? A shirt and a tie? <laughs> okay, when this, when this goes out, put this on the Facebook page, the Woodside's page. Everyone's going to know, and they're going to reference this guy. Like, literally, he would walk about, and he was very openly gay. And in the 80s... What would he wear the ballet tights with? A shirt and a tie? What? Pretty much, almost like a pirate shirt. Like, he looked like he was going to the ballet up. He literally... Well, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, shut up, still. It's because his trousers rode up. But he walked around... He was allowed to walk around the school like that. Uh, you, know, you know what? I'm going to say his name. Mr. Bates. Right. <laughs> Okay. And of course, Mr. Bates became known as Master Bates. Like it, it went quick. It went, it went very quick. Oh my God! But obviously, the lift- shirt that he had on would have come, come down to his middle thigh knee. You would, you would think so, wouldn't you? But no, he tucked it in. <laughs> Into what his tights? It, okay, so I'll do you a favor. When you post this, post on the Facebook page, I guarantee you get a 7 million likes because everyone's like, oh, Mr. Bates. Okay. So he, sorry, I've got to get this. So he had a shirt and tie. Did he have a jacket on? Well, no, he didn't wear, oh, he wasn't that. He, he, he'd wear a shirt, like a puffy shirt, like a pirate shirt almost, like pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty yeah. big. And then I, I, it, was like, it was like ballet tights and a cod piece. It was, it was like he stepped out and then And a cod piece. Pre- look, I'm hoping it's a cod piece, otherwise he should have been in porn. <laughs> Whoa. Maybe he's just pleased to see you. <laughs> so, but what? So, what did the other teachers say about this? Were they alright? I know what that, that's obscene, the thing. isn't it? Really, that staff room. They, if they'd have put a camera in that staff room, 
that they could have reinvented the office that tv show because the stuff that would have gone down yeah, that yeah, yeah. in that staff room would have been would've amazing been. Yeah, that's amazing because when I was at school, Mm. I was one of the first. I was always a bit ahead of my times, let's say, with clothes. Mm. I didn't give a shit. I didn't really follow trends. I'd done what I wanted to do. Mm. And I used to wear cycling shorts and the top that matched. I mean, you see everyone in the streets with them now. Oh, are you you part of Midi Vanilli? (laughs) I thought I was. But back in the day, and literally, and I was really bad at attending school because I'm, I'm dyslexic as well. Mm. Um, so that didn't go great with some of the teachers. They was just total arseholes and didn't understand it. Ignorance yeah. again. Mm. Um, and literally, I remember I started this trend of wow. then the girls all thought, but you imagine we're all in puberty, so we're all starting to blossom in areas. And I think I must have gone away from school for X amount of time. I come back dressed, and I thought, whoa, this is how I dress. And I got sent home. And I said to because I had that on. So to imagine a teacher being able to walk around with all these gubbins hanging out, like me as a pupil, they Sassy, introduced your, uniforms. Your mistake was you should have turned up with a bike. You've been all right. Mm. Well, that was my thing, wasn't it? Yeah, no. I didn't turn up with no bike. I just if turned up as I'm myself. Doing, I'm doing a tour of France later on. But it's like, it's oh, I should bit. have just started singing and plaited <laughs> my hair and they might have thought I was Millie Vanilli. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Here's the funny thing, Tilla and Sasha. We're talking about school. We're talking about the fact that it was rough and it was tough. But there's still lots of humour there. There's lots of funny stuff that happened. And I think the funny stuff and the teachers that were good were there to get us through that. Because I look back now and think to myself, as a parent, there's no way I'd have sent my kids to school that was fun. Like, I, you know, back then there wasn't much, there was no internet. You couldn't go in and check, like, the school reviews or whatever. No. It was like, no. Here's, school, here's where you live. The catchment yeah. area, yeah. get yeah. on with it. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's true. But you didn't have the information, like you're saying. You didn't have all of that back then. So it was literally put up and shut up. About 83, this report came out and it said that like, it was on London News. Newham was the poorest borough in, in London. London was the poorest region in the UK. And Woodside was the poorest school in Europe. I'm like, we're the worst school in Europe. And the other kids are like, yeah, we're the best, <laughs> worst school in Europe. Can you hear yourself? The best, worst school. school. In Europe. <laughs> oh. That's and you had, a, there was another teacher, and I, I loved it. I didn't go to Woodside school, but I mm. used to be there every week, usually on a Thursday. I'd be there every week to meet up with Kelly, Claire, a few of my friends. And yeah. the teachers got used to me. You know, they got, at first, it was, what are you doing here? You should be in school. And in the end, they were like, oh, hi, Scylla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to know so it was choosing their battles. That's what yeah. it was, choosing yeah. their battles. That's right. And so much so that even now, people think I went there and they'll go, oh, yeah, because you was, because I know so many of the teachers yeah. and the people. But that one teacher, Miss Austin, her nickname, it was perfect. Sesame Street. Big Sesame Bird. Street. She looks oh, like Big Bird. Say she looked like her. She's very tall. Loads of fantastic, like an Afro perm, like big. Get a Jufro. Get a Jufro. Yeah. Oh, she's (laughs) Jewish. Yeah, she's Jewish. She's Jewish, and she was fabulous. Um, she was just, yeah, she was straight up, straight up normal. Um, gave out punishment. Sometimes it wasn't a punishment. It was just a talking to. It was just um, what's going on at your house today? Then you were fine last week. What's going on? You know what I mean? She was just so... Um, she had more of an insight then. Yeah. And she kind of... That, just, that, was, Miss Penn. that was Miss Penn to me. Miss Penn was that teacher. I remember the very first day at Woodside, mm. my, my brother said to me, do not forget Penn. I need a pen. Mm. I, I, I took in two pens. I remember stupidly putting my pens on my desk. Oh. These two scares went, I'll tax him now. I went, what's that mean? And they just took both pens. I'm like, oh, okay. That's I cool. remember that, the taxing. And they went. So then Miss Penn came in and said, right, everyone stand up and hold up your pens. So I stood up there and she goes, put your hand, hand in here. So I put my hand over nothing. She goes, right, idiot boy, come to the front. So I'm, I'm idiot boy. Me thinking, I'm not idiot boy, am I? <laughs> I'm idiot boy. I walked to the front and the whole time I'm walking, I'm like, two things. Number one, please don't let my legs buckle. I'm going to be embarrassed. Number two, please don't let me piss myself. Because I was petrified. Like, you you like, Five foot eleven, yeah. and she was like she had this really close cropped haircut. She goes, come and sit in the front. We sit in the front. When the lesson's over, she goes, stay behind. I was like, she's gonna beat me up. She sat me down. She goes, Linda, 
I'm letting you know now, you're going to have a really, really tough time after five years as a wife, you know, because you don't look like these guys. You don't look like what? Sorry, you cut you out. You don't, you don't look like the rest of the class. Is that what she said to you? Yeah, but, but she was saying it like a mum would say it. And I was like, what do you mean? She okay. said to me, you know what? You just need to find your voice, find a bunch of good friends. And just don't and take let, up boxing. Yeah, no, no, don't let <laughs> don't let the white noise get to you. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, I'll take that on. But I remember thinking for years later, you know, she really saw already that I was going to have a pretty tough time. Like she was just let me know, Devin, you know what? It's, this isn't personal. This is just these people Life. don't want to be your friend. Mm. And I used to go to her every single week, and she was like a school counselor, mum, big sister, all rolled into. Oh, that was nice, though. Yeah, yeah, everyone talks about Miss Penn as well. That's true. Um, so did you have yeah. no white friends at all? I had, I had a lot of white friends going from primary school into secondary school. But then in about 80 to 83, the National Front suddenly became huge. And I was saying to Scylla a couple of days ago, actually last week, I remember growing up and seeing the NF initials everywhere, thinking, how the hell are Nottingham Forest so popular? In <laughs> I had no clue. <laughs> yeah, the naive of it. Are yeah. they fans of Brian Clough? You know, they're playing pretty yeah. attractive football. They're in Europe, but that's that's not why. But a lot of my friends who were white from primary school ended up becoming skinheads. They they sort of they sort of they flirted with being skinheads. And it was it was hard because these were kids I knew from when I was six or seven. And now at the age of thirteen, they were my sworn enemies. Oh really? That must have been really hard. It, it's tough, but I had a you know, as I said my three best friends are Do you think that they them. went that way to make life easier for themselves? I do. So, Sasha, to your point earlier, I think everyone's looking for somewhere to, to belong. I think these guys, yeah, they weren't, they didn't, they didn't, it's either you were picking on someone or being picked on. And I think that where yeah. they, they, a lot of them lived around Freemasons Road uh, in the flats and the Masonettes. And I think there's quite a stronghold there of skinheads. And I think there was right. also like, either you join us or we, we beat you up. So they, With they us or against us. Yeah. And it is, when you hear someone, <coughs> one of your best friends, like drop the P word about you, you're like, Wow, and it, it hurts. Even oh, now, like, yeah. we're talking like 40 years on. I still remember the first time someone said that. Someone, my best friend said to me, and I was like, that's messed up. We used to, like, used to come to my house in the morning. We used to drive to school together. Like, and now, yeah. you don't know me. But you know what funny. makes me so thingy about that as well, like the P word? Mm. It was done as in, from my perspective, yeah. I didn't call people that because obviously yeah. I had friends of colour from primary yeah. school. Oh, even though, as you say, even though I was there, there was only like a handful yeah, of yeah. that. And I just thought it was a short abbreviation for Pakistani. You know what? I think I it, didn't realise it was like derogatory oh, no, no, in that it's, respect. It's, it's the same way. So a, a good friend of mine, um, her mum, was in her 80s, like her late 80s. Mm. She went visiting from the UK to, um, to Atlanta. They were there for the Olympics. And so she's in this shopping mall and she sees this skirt she likes. And she says to this very, very large black shop assistant, do you have this skirt in, and she drops the N-word, brown? Because apparently that oh! is the colour. And this oh. woman looks at her and says, excuse me, ma'am, say that again. She goes, do you have this in N-brown? And she's like, do you know you're being offensive? She goes, what do you mean? She said, the N-word. It just means a very dark version of of brown. Yeah. So if you take that at its, at its, in its context, that was a, a word to describe very, very dark brown. But if you then say you damn and use the N word, yeah. the connotation yeah. changes completely. Gosh. Yeah, I yeah, think okay. It, it, the way the word was spat out, it was never going to be an abbreviation. It was always going to be a term of abuse. Right, fair dose, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. But it's like it's my name used to say, she used to yeah. call like black people... Yeah. Um, and we had black people like around our family all the time. Yeah. And it's really funny because even like, God bless her, she's passed now. Mm. But one of the old family friends that was friends with my mum and my aunt and all that, and she said, yeah, coloured people. And in the end, my mum's my mate said to her, Sheila, we're not coloured, we're black. Yeah. And she was like, oh, and she got all, she went all red. And she said, and I said, Nan, they prefer to be called black than, and my mum sometimes does it still now, and I have to correct her. You know what? Like, I, can, I think but, some but people Sasha, think they was I'll being be nicer. No, no, but I think, I'll be honest with you. I, I think that a lot of people now confuse what was ignorance back in the day for racism now. I, I remember mm. being like being a little kid, and, uh, you know, my, 
I, I, classic example. So I was in I was in school, and this kid in primary school he took a massive dislike to me. Massive, like him and me would fight every single week for no reason. So one day he stands behind me and he's eating a, a bag of salt and vinegar crisp, and he runs his fingers across my eyes. That's it. I'm losing it. I'm I'm like I'm throwing every punch I can, just hoping to land something on him. Yeah. In the end, teacher comes along, grabs both of us, as like. You guys see the head teacher. And we sat outside. This kid's like, he's crying. He realizes what's happening. He goes, oh, here's what's going to happen to Vin. I'm going to say someone pushed me. You say someone pushed you. I said, no, I'm going to tell the truth. Yeah. Like, no one's going to believe you. So we walk into this room and I'm, I'm eight years old. Mm. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not bald, Vin. Obviously, I've got a lot of hair. Man. And I walk into this room <laughs> and he's like, what happened, David? He's like, someone pushed me and someone pushed him. Isn't that right, David? I said, no. So I was standing in my own business. He came along. He rubbed his fingers, the salt mega crisp across my eyes, then he said the P word. His head teacher went, David, did you say the P word? He said, yeah, I did. She said, David, apologize. It's not Devinder's fault he's a P word. I'm like, <gasps> what? <laughs> was like, what the that didn't go down the way I thought it was going to go down. It was like, it was shocking to me. It was like, whoa. But now I realize all these years later, what she was trying to say to that kid was, what you did was wrong, but she didn't know how to say it. Address it. I use that in my stand-up comedy. Thinking, I say sometimes, you know, here in Canada, my people, brown people, are called Indo-Canadians, South Asians. Uh, like, there's so many different terms for us. And I, yes. I, in my stand-up routine, I talk about, I say, you know what? I really love the fact that white people are so generous in how they name us, because for people of colour, <laughs> we look at all of you as just one big group of white people. We don't say Polish white person. We go check that guy. He's white. So we don't we don't give you the same naming rights. We, you're just white to us. We don't even mm. we don't even care where you're from. Yeah. You're white. Yes, yeah, so throw it back us. I'm brown. Still as black or cappuccino. <laughs> yeah, she ain't that shape really really dark. <laughs> still no, black. We true. come in all different beautiful shades. Yeah, but yeah, but it's true. Black. I remember the girl in primary school. Someone called her black something, and when her mum went up the school. Yeah. And said to the headmaster, and he went, but she is black. And it was like, really? Like, how you just said you was expecting yeah. a completely different outcome. But you know what? Here's the thing, Sasha. All these years later, the benefit of meeting a lot of people, you realise that if you grew up in 1940s or 50s East London, the first black people you saw were probably in the 1950s or 60s. So you had 20 years of just seeing white people. And suddenly yeah. the Windrush generation arrived. And you're shocked. To be honest, you know, as I said, I, I do stand-up comedy now. And one of the things I talk about is, you know, I would love to be white for one day. And, mm. and I say that because growing up as a person of colour, we never did the stuff that white people did. I remember every summer holidays dreading those six weeks off because we didn't do anything. We never went on holiday. We never went on caravan holidays or whatever. We just sat mm. at home for six weeks. <clears throat> I remember going to school on, on that first day after six weeks holidays ended and people say, what do you do? And I would wait for everybody else to talk and go, we stayed home six weeks and we watched, why don't you? And Elvis movies. Is that because of the situation what, or finances? Or, yeah. I think, what was I think it was like, until you can probably relate to this, I, I'm one of five kids, you're one of six kids. Mm. If your parents don't have a TV and they just shag every single day, another kid's going to arrive every <laughs> night. <hungry. laughs> like, go buy a TV, man. Go rent a TV. You don't have to do it every single night. Yeah. So if you have that many mouths to feed, a holiday is never going to happen. Yeah, I remember my friends, no matter how poor they were, and to your point, Silla, they were all different classes of people at Woodside. Mm. But no matter how poor these kids were, their parents had them tugged out in Sergio Toshini track suits. Um, everyone had you know, the, the best haircuts. And we were just told, you know what? Just get your education and then your life will begin. Yeah. So we were told just to get, just keep your head down. You're not meant to enjoy it. Yeah, just get on with it. See, I'll be honest with you, I think sometimes white people have taken advantage, not took advantage of the mm. education that's been given to them, to be fair. Because when you look at any of the Caribbean families, the Indian, Asian, whatever, suits whoever, uh, yeah. white people just literally, it was about what they looked like rather than no, getting Sasha, the education. Sasha, it's, it's deeper than that. I totally, I hear what you're saying, but I think it's deeper. We were told by our parents, look, we're going to get, you're going to get racially abused. I remember being told this a lot, and I don't know if yeah. we'll hear, hear, agree. Yeah. We were told by our family constantly, as a person of colour, you have to work twice as hard for half yeah. the break. And we would fight yeah. our parents going, no, 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 no. And our mum and dad would say to us, look, the price of entry for us in this country is racism. We would say, maybe for you, but we're born here. 
Yeah. And it's yeah. weird because the reason I live in Canada now is that my dad took racism. I took racism. I didn't want my kids to be the third generation of my family living in England to suffer that. So I came to Canada thinking, I'm going to go somewhere where everyone who's here, apart from the indigenous people, are from somewhere else. So Sasha, you're right. To some degree, yeah, people didn't take advantage of it. But you never had that push or that burn or that sort of fire in your belly which said, if you don't get educated, you're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I get I what you're saying. You're nodding away. I know you can totally relate to this. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's why. Yes, obviously, something. For all of us. The well, this is for all of us, like black, brown, yellow, white. But I think a lot of my white friends, they now look back and they'll say to me, you know what? I just didn't know there was a world beyond this one or a world beyond sixth form. Like they, they, did, they didn't know. And, and Sasha, to your point, I think the system is so messed up. It needs some people just to be used as cannon fodder. Yeah. And, and that's messed up. It's totally messed up. This is one of the reasons why as well, a lot of, there yeah, of are course. quite a lot of black, black girls and quite a lot of black boys from our area were made to go to St. Angeles. Oh, St. St. Bonaventure's. Oh yeah, yeah. Because- Oh, uh, the Catholic you know, schools. Yeah, yeah. And, and I had a friend that started off in a Catholic school, Kelly. She started off in St. John's, was doing fantastically well because she's highly capable. Mm. But because her, her other friends were going to Woodside, she left St. John's and went to Woodside and it just went, and she, was, she was so capable of doing so much, yeah. but held herself back so that she could be in line with her friends. Because she wanted me, to do what her friends was doing. Exactly. Yeah, and when you're a kid, your friends, I remember like my, my kids are 24 and 21. I remember when, when they were younger, when we first got here, their friends would come over and go, your mum and dad are so nice. They go, nice, what's nice about them? Well, they, they give you freedom, they give you this, they give you that. And then my, my kids started appreciating my wife and me more because their friends rated us as cool. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. You're my kid. I stand in front of the bus for you. But suddenly yeah. this random kid has told you that they think I'm cool. So yeah, that's, that's huge. And if, yeah. if you're in a bad way, if your friends aren't good people, they start doing drugs and other stuff and you follow them, your life's done. And it's, yeah. and it's horrible how quick, like, I'll give you a, a very quick story. So, Moved to Canada. My son was eight and a half. We went from living in a nice terraced house in, in East London, in, in Gants Hill, to buying, you know, a bigger place in Vancouver. And, it, and my son's like, Dad, is this all ours? And he went to his head. And one day he said to one of his friends, just from a single parent family, oh, we've got a van, a DVD player. And he just, he just started bragging about stuff. And I said to him, that what you're doing isn't cool because you're talking about stuff that you've got and this kid can never have. So, and that doesn't sit well with me. No. One time... So we drove him down to an area in Vancouver where there's like 1,200 homeless people. There's crack addicts. There's every every person that's homeless is in this one area. Mm. So we got down there, my son's like, are they filming a zombie video? <gasps> no, because it was the people missing teeth. There are people with one leg. There are yeah. people literally having sex in the street. Like it's it's horrific. Yeah, yeah, it's mind blowing in it really. Oh, it's, it's, especially it's a completely different century. world. Oh yeah. And so he said, well, what happened to these people? And I said, look, very simply, every one of these people was born of a mum. They had a dad at one stage, but through a series of bad decisions or one bad decision or whatever, they've ended up here. I said, very simply put, you have two choices in this world. And if you're lucky, you get to make the first one. That is just to be a human being and, and just make your mark on the world in your own way. If you're not lucky, you make a few bad decisions, the world makes its mark on you. And that's not reversible. And the weird thing was, he took that, he was very humble for a long, long time. But when he was 16, the school, so we're doing a charity, a pop-up charity, you know, a soup kit or whatever. He goes, I know exactly what I'm doing. He got his whole class, go back to that place. They did a pop-up kitchen there. Because children... We're nice. What, no, but children become what they see. Yeah. We can't yeah. tell our kids to be charitable if we're literally stealing from the potty jar. It doesn't make any sense. Mm. And that starts at school. So if you don't have good friends and you don't have that radar to this person's bad, and when you're a kid, you don't have that radar. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be honest, me and my mum, my single mm. parent. Yeah. But she had X amount of jobs. Yeah. And I'll be honest, my brother was one of them and he served Joe Dushini's and everything. Oh, yeah. and, and at the time, um, basically, <clears throat> he was the first grandchild as well. Cool. Because um, my mum had him quite young. Yeah. Um, and basically, I'll be honest, we had everything. And we yeah. had a beautiful home. I mean... 
people used to come in. We had leather sofa, but my mum wow. used to do a lot of the stuff herself. But my mum worked yeah, really hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she didn't. But then what she would say is, if you be flash with this, yeah, yeah <clears throat> I'll take it off you. Yeah. She said, because there's some children. And I, we lived on a council estate. We didn't own our own home. Yeah. And she used to say, because I'm telling you now, some kids ain't got what you's got with yeah. both parents. Mm. So you ever be flash. And we literally used to give all that stuff away, which was... So Sasha, we, what, we you're, to, what you're describing there, your mum sounds amazing. What you're describing there is the hustle that most immigrants did full stop. Like, yeah. what you're describing is literally, my mum and dad had a couple of jobs each. And they would always say to us, you know, we're, we're going to have an okay life here, but our relatives back in the old country will benefit. So they were actually supporting like eight different families. Mm. We had no clue. Probably the same for yeah. you, Dominican, you know, or Dominica, you were probably sending money back to the family. Mm. You were like, why are we so poor? And these guys are living up over there because our parents couldn't show that they hadn't made it. When they came to England, they couldn't show that they weren't living an amazing life. That's why people say, so you left here, you thought you were Billy Big Bollocks. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, pretty much the makeup of the time. That is for sure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. The East End was always very, very charitable. As much as I talk about the racism and this and that, mm. there were people there that if if you were struggling and they knew you were struggling, they would just turn up and they'd knock on your door and they'd like a bag of clothes would be there. You'd be like, "Who's this?" Yeah. So there was there was mm. that Robin Hood sort of mentality. Like people would would nick from richer areas and distribute it around. Remember. Every Christmas. Yeah, my mum always used to make yeah. us like, do you want this anymore? Well, okay, then we'll give it to so-and-so because he hasn't or she hasn't got I it. I wish I'd known you then. I'd have loved to search your C-tracks. So. <laughs> and seriously, <laughs> me and my brother was not allowed. My mum was so strict. Just because you got it, you had to respect everything you had. So literally, when we used to give it to other people, it was like it come out of the shop. You know, Sasha, like, not you everything. We get a board game, one board game every Christmas between the five of us. And the first thing we'd do is get the sell tape out and we'd, and we'd literally cover the whole of the box lid, especially yeah, the corners, the sell tape. And even yeah. now, even though I don't need to do it anymore, if we get a board game for the kids, the games night, the kids do that, they get the sell tape out. And I'm like, that's just like, that's just like a poor mentality, which is, I don't know if I'm going to get a new one of these, so I better look after Yeah, but it's a bit of make, do and mend. Yes, yeah. it is. It is. And I'm, I'll be honest, I've always been a bit of a holder. I don't like chucking anything away. You don't have bottles and of piss in your house, do you? No, yeah. no, I don't collect that on my toenails or anything <laughs> not, like not that. Anymore. They can freely go. Not since yeah. last year. <laughs> not since the health and safety. Come and visit. <laughs> <laughs> that, that ain't limeade. Yeah, yeah, don't drink that. Make oh, your cool, toes curl there. Oh, but, um, yeah, we my mum was... We're thinking of it now, like, if my... More so my brother's mates, mm. if they had rowed their parents, we always had one of them, didn't it? My mum's. Mm. Wow. Yeah, my mum was the cool mum. My mum's was six, 16 when she had my brother. Wow. And 18 mm. when she had me. Mm. And um, I'll be really honest with you, we didn't have our dad around. Yeah. Hardly any. Do you know what I mean? I think the yeah. last time I seen my dad, I was 11. Wow. Yeah. Mm. And and it's funny how some people, because I remember working in Chris and Pete's. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've, I've done my training and everything in there. I was ended that up Chris being... and Pete's, I remember I, I got my haircut once at Chris and Pete's, so I thought, I can die now. Um, this, is how, this is how rich people live. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was the East, wasn't it? I'm going to yeah. stroll up. I'm going to fall up it. to Green Gate, and I'm going to go in Chris and Pete's. I'm going to hand over 20 quid yeah. and get my haircut. Yeah. And one of the brothers said to me at one point, because there was one more in there than the other, and yeah. um, he said something, and then he was saying something about single-parent families in not a very oh. nice way, yeah? So mm. I let him say what, I, what he said. So I said, is that how you see me then? So he mm. said, what do you mean? So I said, well, like, because my mum's always said, you've got to work, mm. you've got this, you've got that, yeah. no self-entitlement. Because yeah. you've got a lot of white people that go, my nan and granddad fought in the war and I'm entitled to a council place and I'm entitled to... My mum had never been like that. She was like, whatever you want, you've got to work for. Mm. Do you know what I mean? No one's going to yeah. put it on your plate. And as a woman as well, you're always going to be the one left here holding the baby sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> he was going on and on and on. And I'll be honest, I didn't take offence because everyone's got their own opinion and I respect that. And um, he was going on and on about these single families and this and that. And I was like, is that how you see me then? And he said, what do you mean? So I said, well, 
I'm from a single parent family and he was gobsmacked. He went, are you serious? I said, yeah. And he went, basically, out off to your mum, he said, because I would have never have thought that. And I said, but not everyone that comes from a single parent has got that value of, yeah, like, Sasha, who cares. Sasha, you, say and... that, you say that, but I can tell you now that as, as an Asian person, mm-hmm. I grew up in a community that was incredibly racist against black people. My my best friends, Patrick and Donald, who sound like a law firm, but they're not. They are literally <laughs> for black guys. Yeah. They would literally knock on my door and, and hang outside my house. If it was raining, my mom and dad would say, it's time for them to go. Not it's time for them to come in the house, it's time for them to go. On the one classic occasion, I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I think it's important to share. Mm. It was pouring and then, then hailstones came down. So I said to my dad, you know that, either you drop them off home, we let them in the house. Mom goes, give me five minutes. And she went in and she went a fireplace or a mantelpiece. She got a five pound note on there that's sort of hanging from it. Mm. I saw her, I thought, where did she come from? So they, they came in and my mum gave them a towel and they dried off. And I, I took the five pound note and put my pocket. And then when they left, she goes, where's that five pound note? They'd taken it. I said, here it is. I gave it to them. She said, when you put that up, I said, when I saw you do it, and she hit me. She said, if you hadn't done that, they, I said, Mum, they wouldn't. She said, you don't understand that the same way you get angry with white people saying that we're dirty this or dirty that, you not see that you'll do exactly the same thing to these people. Yeah. This, mm. is how, this is how racism perpetuates. Starts, yeah. The idea that racism is just white on black or white on whatever. Yeah, it's not. To some yeah. degree, racism where you can control my ability to get a livelihood, yeah, that's terrible. But that discrimination based on race, it's massive and it's still around now. I've got a friend, oh, yeah. an Indian girl married to a black guy. And until Kamala Harris came around and proved that that can be successful, she was seen as less than. You've married a black yeah. guy. How dark are your kids going to be? Okay. Yeah, so yeah. That, it's, it's huge. It's, it's, it's coming not, from it's different angles. Yeah, it's funny yeah, because true. I've actually heard from white people yeah, mm. that, and this is not me speaking, Basically, no, no. if you're going to marry someone of a colour, no, yeah. if you're going to marry someone of colour, this was only one person, yeah, or have babies with someone of colour, go for the Asians because their features are more like our own. I've never yeah, heard of Look at my look like Shrek. <laughs> no, but do you see what I mean? They could, no, but it was like, oh, it could be Greek, it could be this, it could be that. Yeah. Honestly, it yeah, is then, amazing how you yeah. see across the spectrum, the three of us talking now. Yeah. Like, it, it's just amazing because my mum, no matter who knocked on the door, yeah. As I say, from primary school, my best friend, she was black. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You, you mean coloured? <laughs> well, yeah, she was, she was a coloured person. <laughs> but yeah, it was just, yeah, my mum, my mum's door was open. If he was one of our friends, it was open, no matter um, what. And yeah. I had some rough mates that mm. was white, and mm. I had good mates, like, all, across the spectrum. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? It really yeah. didn't matter. But, mm. yeah, it, it, it's like when I talk to Scylla sometimes and listen to some of the things that she's been through. Here's the thing, actually. I grew up and I didn't know I was brown until someone else pointed it out to me. Not in the yeah, sense that, heard that said you know, I didn't know. You know, yeah. obviously... This you know, but you didn't take... Like, yeah. No, mm. then suddenly being told by that head teacher, oh, it's not your, but your kid. I'm like, what is this mean? And then Miss Penny yeah. telling me, you're, you have a tough time. So it's like death by a thousand cuts. You suddenly realise that. It's not the same. Remember... Um, Literally being told by a few people, there ain't no black in the union, Jack. Yeah, go when you said that. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. yeah. That phrase is. This is what I'm saying about sometimes with the working class white people. Mm. I'm a working class white. They're uneducated in some things. They just honestly think that they're in, they're self entitled to certain things. Some they don't people. like. Yeah, not all people because I'm speaking. Like I've always worked. I left school early. With no yeah. exams, no this, no that, and I've been at work. That's what my mum said. You're not going to school? Okay, go and get a job. But you saw, but you saw you your mum grafting, didn't you? So that was for you. That was that was your, that was your work role. ethic. Was your yeah. 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 I said, because I've been called a white or a slagger, this. Yeah, yeah. I said, and do you know the only bit of, oh, no, I'm white. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the only difference is I've got the um because you've called me a slag or a gun. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it would bother. You know why it bothers me? Because I've never needed to put a colour in front of an insult. If I'm going to call you that c word, I'm just going to call you that c word. I'm oblivious to what colour you are. So to me, yeah, 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 because our parents, anybody was welcome in our house, whatever uh, culture, colour, creed our friends were. It was oblivious. They were just your friends, and that was it. So yeah, it does bother me because that's not how we were raised. And I would say the same if I've got a white friend that decides they want to call someone a name, or a black friend feels they want to put the yeah. colour of the person in front. I'm going to say, isn't it obvious? Let me ask you a question. I know we're completely off topic here, but mm. I think it's an important conversation to have. Mm. Did you ever have people say to you, I don't like black people, but you're all right? Oh, yes. 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 And I've had that. Did you ever sort of say to that person? Sorry, I'm not laughing because it, it's just like, I'm I'm happy to say it's only happened to me a few times in my life, but when it has happened, I've responded immediately, immediately, and said, "Well, was it was it meant as a compliment, though?" No, I didn't take it as a compliment. No, I never have. I think it was meant as a compliment. Yeah, Yeah. it was meant as a compliment, but yeah, I don't need those kind of compliments. It's a bit mind blowing, isn't it? Some people. If I was raised from a very young age, how to be with other people, then anybody could be raised from a very young age of how to be with other people. And you so, know what, what's interesting for me is I think that like, social media has been a great platform, I think, to level everything off because I was having a chat with someone. In fact, I mentioned to Scylla a couple of days ago, actually last week when we first spoke. I said, there's someone I speak to on the Facebook page and uh, we were talking about the concept of white privilege. He said, oh, you know, I, I mustn't have got that email because my life is really, really hard. And I said, no, no. Yeah, as I said earlier, white privilege isn't that your life is hard. It's just that the color of your skin hasn't made it harder. Yeah. And he just went back and forth, mm. back and forth. He goes, can we just agree to disagree? Because mm. I don't think this is real. And I said, no, you have to understand that. Well, he didn't think racism real. was real. Well, no, he just said the idea that the stuff that I've suffered from, some of it's been based purely on the color of my skin. He said, yeah, but I'm, I'm a white guy. I've had a tough life. I said, no, no, but no one has ever stopped you from getting on a bus or being part of something because you're a white person. That hasn't happened. He goes, okay. Yeah, he goes, mm. you're living in our country. And I was like, let me know. I can just take this because I'm living in a white. Country. You're living in his country. Well, yeah. Even though I'm born there, and I think to myself that he he wasn't being racist. All he was saying to me was, "This is how I'm raised. Mm. If you can make me understand, I said, I said my lived experience is different to yours, mm. and I have to accept that I I live in your country, but you have to accept that my experiences are my experiences. You can't be honest by saying that's yeah, yeah, that yeah. You sense. can't take that away." But it's just people's mentalities. I, I, I think in a weird way that you you have to almost employ reverse due process. Like as a as a person of colour, and, and this is a classic example, my so my son aged fourteen started second school. He started second school later here. Mm. And uh, and one day he's lining up for his lunch and this Indian princess, Sasha, literally walks up and says, I'm getting in front of you. He's like, No, you know, I wasn't standing here waiting for you. Yeah. I don't know who you are. I won't keep in your screaming and shouting. And <gasps> said, What's wrong? And she said, He's bothering me. So he was pulled out of the line, taken to the principal's office. The principal phoned me saying, Your son's disrupted. So what happened? Here's what he did. I said, I'll come in and see you. Mm-hmm. I went to school. Mm-hmm. And the teacher's like, I, did, I wasn't appreciating the way your son spoke. So I said, What do you say? He goes, He argued. Said, no, what, what did he say? He goes, He said he was lining up. And this girl came and said, Why didn't you believe him? He said, When well, he's wearing a hoodie. I said, so you're saying any Indian kid wearing a hoodie and track pants? I said, do you not realize here you're literally racially profiling this kid? Mm, yeah. And you're going to create a problem that isn't there. Yeah. So yeah. in the end, the teacher said, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. But my son said, Dad, as a person of color, and even now, in a stupid way, we got a dog a month ago. And my son said, Dad, if I walk down the street and not, I don't have the dog, why people don't acknowledge me? Because I can go out, come home again, pick up that dog, go out again. Walk past the same people go, Oh my god, your dog is so cute. Because suddenly having a dog makes me less aggressive, makes me less Indian. So those issues that our parents had and we had, they're still there. They're just they're just hidden now. Yeah, it's not, yeah. yeah. At the not yeah. that's true. But I was just gonna kind of like wind it down by talking mm. a little bit about your stand-up comedy. Is that your full-time job or that's your side no, job? No. I, I work in HR for uh, the equivalent of British Telecom here in Canada. I'm I, so I've written a book about moving to Canada. I, I do TV commercials and I also do stand-up. One thing I realized was this. Coming to Canada gave me a chance to have more time with my wife and my kids and, and just to be myself. Because in London, 
I was getting up at six o'clock, getting on a train. I remember writing about some of the book. Sorry, well. sorry. Train. Me yeah. bloody mother. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, sorry. I'm doing That's the like, podcast. Oh, I, I see it, we're gone. <laughs> and so I'd, I'd, get on, I'd get on a train, see the same people every Monday to Friday. Mm. We'd never make eye contact. We never spoke. Mm. And I'd be away from home for 12 hours, come home, give my kids a bath and go to sleep. And I thought, something more to life. So yes, when we yes. came here, I wrote a book. And I started becoming more creative and doing stuff that made me happy because I realized that, you know what? A bunch of my friends are dying of cancer. A bunch of my friends are dying of other stuff. We're not guaranteed a long life. So mm. that, that was where that stuff, the, the stand-up is just mm. something I do mm. to sort of, and, it, and it's quite political. It, it, I do point a mirror at our people and also white people. Mm. I say, you know, what we go through, a lot of it is overlapping, but a lot of it isn't. A lot of it doesn't. What, what I go through, you can't relate to. Mm. Mm. It's funny because I remember once years ago, I was down Bethlehem Green and mm. this fella's drove past in his car, <clears throat> excuse me, and I shouted out to him. At the same time, there was two black girls on the opposite side of the road, yeah. walking the opposite way. Well, his name was, his surname was Sharp, yeah? So yeah. we used to call him Sharpie, right? Okay. So as he drove past, I went, oi, Sharpie! Didn't take that notice, carried on walking. Well, these two black girls have come over and she was like, what did you say? And I went... What you? What do you mean? And I just sort of, I'm as I say, I'm quite a humorous person. So I was like, yeah. "What? What do you mean?" And she went, "Well, you just shouted something out." And I went, and then two and two. She thought I said, "Oh, you darky." Oh, oh God. yeah. So I was like, I would never do. No, no, I wouldn't do that. But honestly, it's just uh, obviously that's what she was used to. So she was going to confront the issue. And I'm glad she did. And we both laughed about it after. And then obviously I explained to her, did you see that car go by? And But yeah, and and, and this is what I'm saying, for her to want to come and confront me about what I'd said. But it was like, oh, my mate nearly shit herself because you do realise that there's a lot of Mm. white people that are scared of people of colour. Did you realise that? Yeah. Yes, that's where some of this comes from. But um, I just wanted to finish um, the by asking you, are you in contact with some of your friends that, um, some of your white friends from the past and some of your friends of colour? Have you kept those connections since you've been yeah, there? Yeah, I've got, I've, I've got more connections now through social media than I did when I lived there. Because, you know, mm. life happens, you get married, you have a couple of kids. Yeah. I, I moved from Custom House to Gantz Hill and I might as well move to, to Yorkshire. It was like, yeah. you know, no, no one makes that move, do they? They don't, they don't come and see you. Yeah. No, their nose bleeds if they go out of the area. Yeah, 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 and out of mind basically. But no, I, I do keep it up to people. The Woodside group's been fantastic for doing that. Yeah, and it's weird who I was at Woodside is very different to who I am now. I have to be quiet, I have to be off the radar. I couldn't be who I wanted to be. Mm. Left school, went to uni, got a job, and now coming to Canada has allowed me to be the one of you. I'm writing another book called British by Birth, but Canadian by Choice. Okay. And so, how I do that. And it's weird because Silla and I were chatting about this before and I said, most of the time, I'm very, very chilled. I'm, I'm Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky. But if I feel a situation requires it, my, my inner custom house will come to the surface. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We and I that face on which says, if you miss me, I'll, I'll cut your face off. Yeah. And I won't yeah. do it, but I, it's, it's almost like I get possessed, which says, and I saw those street smarts, those street smarts which says, there's a slight tingling sensation, something's going down here, and you know it a second before it yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. You can sense it. Oh. I think growing up in the East End, mm. it gives you, and, and again, your own experiences mm. of life and that, but you can just sort of half tell mm. that something is different. But, yeah, I call upon that sometimes. Well, I'm sure you see me because they so say... You, you, live out, you live out in Essex. So I'm sure yeah. on occasion you've had to just literally just drop that Essex demeanour and, and go for Oh, God, yes. More than once here, yes. Is that I to have. drop Lady Priscilla? Yeah, Lady Priscilla <laughs> my title. I should be waving instead of doing the wrap-up sign. But what I was going to say was, briefly, that your book is called Oh, Canada. Yeah. And it's by Davinda Parvel. Yeah. And it's on Amazon. It is on Amazon. And you know what? The truth is, the book was a great experience. Mm. And uh, it's led to another one. I'm, written, I'm, I'm writing a third book. Do you know what, Silla? I want to read your book as well about all 
yeah, it's, it's yeah. There's a few little errors here and there. Not facts. Facts are solid, but as in yeah. typos, few little errors, which are, won't be happening in my second book. But yeah, it's still a good read. It is a good read. Very Sasha, you got to write a book as well now about your days of the Millie Vanilli. Uh, I know. <laughs> if I weren't dyslexic, it's really, really hard. I feel like before I have to concentrate. Sasha, I, I'm, to... I suffer from number dyslexia, so I do feel your pain. I, I literally, I can't be trusted. Oh. Seriously, numbers for No, me. me money I'm good with. Me money yeah. I'm all right with. Maybe that's an easy thing. Yeah. But yeah, literally, it's like putting my head in the washing machine for a little while first. Oh, oh. I should get a ghostwriter, shouldn't I? Yeah, see, so you could be me ghostwriter. Oh, gosh. I've got yeah. to get <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. That was a, no, thank you. We'll see. Wasn't it? That was a big fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can, I've got to say I've really enjoyed this thank you so much Dee for talking oh, to us and we'll be in touch I can be in touch with you soon we've got to do some All more right. chatting have a good day, it was lovely to have met you Thanks, listen Dave. one final thing for you if you hear someone that's coughing mm. you have to say please fuck off that's basically the rule <laughs> for Boris Johnson okay. I really yeah they can't near cough they have to fuck off Okay, okay, fuck off. <laughs> Maybe you should have used that in some of his speeches. At least oh. two meetings. Oh, thank you so much, Sabrina. I appreciate day, it. Thank you very Bye-bye. much. Okay, take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. But I must admit, we had fish and chips and occasional pie mash way down in Canyon Town. You know where I mean? Talk about Cannon Town, West End, London, East Sixteen.